0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Get a chair, grab a seat. I will sweep you off your feet. You we move, we groove. You got mail. Ease your legs, rest a while. All you gotta do smile. We're swell, can't you tell? When the show begins, you better hold on tight. Or before you know it, you'll be high as a kite. Take a break, settle down. We're the only show in town. It's our do you know, you got Mel. No. Give it up, don't you twice. We're a hurricane on ice. What the hell? Give a yell, ring a bell, show and tell. Mademoiselle, give a smell, You got Mel. You got Mel. <laughs> and Mel has Joyce Lappin. So, and there is
0: no doubt now that we have Mel.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's now unquestionable. So start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. You don't have to mention. Years, it is. Thank you. But start well, at the beginning. as, as a child, was
0: I was uh, born in Glen Cove, New York, on Long Island. And even though I grew up in Roslyn, to me, Glen Cove always resonates as my home for whatever reason. And I was always, I had a knack for writing, maybe because I was a voracious reader. And as I, when I graduated college, I became
1: a secretary with the goal of- Hold on, hold on. Oh, I jumped. 20 years in two seconds, Joyce.
0: (laughs) There's there's absolutely nothing compelling about my childhood. I was a totally clueless kid. But, but brother, I always.
1: Sisters, parents.
0: Oh my! Yes, I have three sisters. I have a brother who. My brother is now on the other side with my mom. My dad is still on this side with my sisters, and uh, my dad is in Florida. And my parents, my whole family is very supportive of my writing career, and it, it's been wonderful. And growing up, my teachers were also extremely supportive. It was really one of the few things that came naturally to me and that I was able to find success in quickly and easily. So um, it seemed natural to, to go into advertising copywriting when I, when I grew up. And But it was a difficult world to survive in. Um, it could be uncivil, it, 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 it could be a, a hostile environment. But I, I stuck it out for, for about 15 years, and then I started to carve out a new life. And I had always been fascinated by time travel. So I started, I wrote a book on time travel, and I was able to get an agent. Um, unfortunately, there was no energy flowing from him. So I, I queried another agent with this first book, the one that was eventually published, if you had your birthday party on the moon. And this became my first book. My agent is John Rudolph. And uh, bless his heart. And so we have just introduced the little spacecraft that could. And both of these books were illustrated by Simona Cecarelli, who happens to live in Switzerland. I call her my Swiss miss and the publisher is Sterling Children's Books and they have done a remarkable job of allowing my creative visions to shine through they, they show a great deal of deference to the writer I assume they show it to all the writers I assume I'm not the exception and it really is a wonderful thing because the book becomes what it wants to be yeah.
1: so, I, uh, the book that I've seen the one that's coming out or just came out uh, yes. Can you show a few double spreads?
0: Absolutely. I will show you some of my favorite spreads. Thank you for asking. This is one of this is my one of my favorite spreads. This is the New Horizons spacecraft herself. And she was she was sort of piggybacked on a rocket, which is known as an Atlas V racket. Rocket, excuse me. And in this spread, we see New Horizons leaving Earth. She, she arrives at, at outer space very, very quickly, really a matter of, of, of minutes, um, even less. And once she no longer needs the aerodynamic dynamic portion of, of the Atlas V rocket, she's free, and she travels all the way to Pluto, just this little tiny spacecraft, no bigger than a small piano. And that, this is one of my favorite spreads because I feel like she looks so happy to be light and free and uh, unencumbered by, by the Atlas V and on her way to Pluto. And the book is basically told from the point of view of the spacecraft. Not, not completely, but but a little bit. And another one of my favorite spreads is when she's passing Jupiter. And you can see her when she passes Jupiter, she gets an enormous speed boost. And um, I will allow the readers to discover themselves how that happens, but she is getting a speed boost on video uh, on a speed boost from Jupiter. And it's almost like she's on some sort of cosmic Disney ride and she's saying, "wee," So I, loved, I do love this spread very much. And Simona, the illustrator does amazing work and I, I knew she would nail it the way she's anthropomorphized the spacecraft, whose name, by the way, is New Horizons. And New Horizons was conceived by Dr. Alan Stern. And um, he cooperated very closely with me in the book, uh, in writing this book, and then he, he offered a cover quote, which absolutely thrilled me. Hey, can, and,
1: you, can you read it?
0: Oh, yes, I would be very happy to. Thank you very much. He writes, the exploration of Pluto was a landmark event. This fascinating book tells the whole amazing story. Dr. Alan Stern, leader, NASA's New Horizons mission. And having Alan partner with me, or I should say be on board because obviously I don't consider myself anywhere near his equal, so I use the word partner very loosely. But it was a very very validating experience to have him jump on
1: board the project and that's a, a very nice uh, metaphor for a spaceship um, yes, so uh, how long this I, I had a look at this book it's incredible uh, the Thank text, you. the artwork um, and um and you're teaching without without teaching so that's a a great so. attribute of a uh, of a successful children's book. It's not for very young kids. It's not for four-year-olds.
0: No, no, it's not. I think um, children of all age love if you have your birthday party on the moon, but the little space spacecraft that could um reads somewhat older I would say the sweet spot is um seven to eight years old seven and eight years old and up and then the sweet spot would be maybe eight years depending on the child I mean again children of all ages love the illustrations and kids grow into it but it really is meant for for children seven and above.
1: Joyce Joyce, you did more research (laughs) writing this book than I did as a scientist how long did it take you to write this?
0: Oh, thank you for asking. Well, I had, um, let's see, I had a lot of help from Alan's book. Alan's book is Chasing New Horizons. And this was the heart of my research. And you can see it's, it's filled with all my notes and everything. And I used about another half dozen books on Pluto and countless articles on Jupiter, on gravity, um, on all kinds of physical you know, physics principles. Um, It took me about a year to write it. And um, let's see, uh, uh, going a little bit at a time. And of course I felt I needed a science consultant. So the gentleman who was my science consultant for if you had your birthday party on the moon. His name is Dr. Steven Schneider and he's the chairman of astronomy at UMass. And I asked him if he was available to make sure that my science was watertight on the little spacecraft that could. And I was very grateful he was available. And then when I brought Alan in, which I didn't feel free to do until I had a book deal, but once Sterling made the offer, I contacted Alan and he took it to a whole nother level of accuracy, because of course there's many things with the project that only Alan would know. And it was important that um, that, that I have his input and I, I was very grateful for it. And I, I, the man is just so busy and so demand that to me, it's mind boggling that he made the time for me in this project. And we were so grateful to have him with us, to have him on the team is amazing.
1: And uh, sterling uh, did an amazing book uh, a, a, a huge uh, investment in that book uh, that, uh, the they, they, re-
0: they really did and um, they they really showed a lot of confidence and of course once Alan was on board it gave us a no a whole new level of um, you know a, a a whole a whole new level and um sterling is known for creating beautiful pictures so um the illustrator that they that they had they had chosen several illustrators for me to look at for if you had your birthday party on the moon and fortunately the same illustrator was was able to do the little she was available to do the little spacecraft that could and when i saw her her artwork for it, the initial artwork. I was thrilled, but I was not surprised because I knew she would nail it. She's that good.
1: let us go let's go uh, uh, fast forward backwards to the, uh, the party on the moon. what that what is that book all about? I didn't uh, I didn't yeah, have yet to look at
0: this is really this is really um, a fun book. It's a nonfiction book. Believe it or not, for a book called "If You Had Your Birthday Party on the Moon," um, it's a nonfiction book, and it takes children to their first extraterrestrial birthday party. And they take they they start with the rocket ride. They head up to space on the rocket, and I, here's one of my favorite spreads when they're all weightless. And another one, one of my favorite sp- spreads is when they're approaching uh, the moon. They're approaching the moon, and I love I love this. They're, they're, they're sitting there, movie theater style, and they're watching the moon approach them. And it allows the children to see what would happen. Because of the unique physics of the moon, it allows them to see what would happen with their balloons, what would happen with their birthday candles, because candles need air in order to light. What would happen with the, the pinata, which was amazing for Steven Schneider. Uh, my science consultant, because he had to conjecture based on gravity and, and based on the moon's very, very thin, almost non-existent atmosphere, he had to, you know, use conjecture about um, the pinata. But it was, uh, it's all scientifically sound. And for instance, certain things that I never would have thought of, for instance, the children play, want to play freeze dance, but you can't hear music on the moon because there's no air for the sound to travel through. So they decide they will play freeze tag instead. The problem is freeze. Anything is hard on the moon because some sudden stops are almost impossible. (laughs) So it's um, the the children have a lot of fun on the moon. And uh, they explore craters. they, They hike to the dark side. They have a scavenger hunt and they find things that were left there by the Apollo astronauts. And um, they they have they have a lot.
1: Where did you get the idea for this?
0: <laughs> Thank you very much for asking. Um, well, I wanted to do something on the moon with the moon because the moon children children love it. I I remember my nieces. My very first niece, she loved to look at the moon. She, her mother, my sister told me she would wake up in the morning and the first thing she would say is, see moon, see moon, she loved the moon. And of course we know more about it than any other celestial body. But I felt I had to view it through a new lens because there were so many books about the moon. So I began to think about a party on the moon but there was still something lacking. Then when I made it into a birthday party, it suddenly really had legs and um uh, fortunately my agent john because i'm not a mom but my agent john is a very hands on dad so he knew everything about children's books about children's birthday parties excuse me so he was able to tell me this is what happens they arrive there they do this they do that they have pizza he says it's always pizza <laughs> and Because of the pizza, it's interesting that because he mentioned pizza, that brought something entirely new into the book because I can't remember how my research on pizza took me there, but it turned out that Pizza Hut had once actually delivered a pizza to the International Space Station. So I reasoned maybe they'll also deliver it to the moon. And of course, it cost them a million dollars to take it to deliver to the space station. (laughs) But we figured, okay, maybe they'll also deliver to the moon. So that that opened up a a nice little door for us to walk through.
1: Uh, Remarkable. So Joyce, tell us how you found your agent in the first place.
0: Thank you very much. Um, Well, my first agent, as I mentioned, really... There was no energy flowing from him. I'm I'm not sure what was going on there, but
1: we we, we spend I, years I, looking for agents, Joyce, and you found two
0: exactly.
1: How did you find them? <laughs> well, you
0: know, well, it was query, query, query. You know, letter after letter after letter, and. I think I stayed with him longer than I should have, but not only did I want to give him every opportunity, I also was reluctant. I guess it's sort of like, if you've been married, you don't wanna go back into the dating world. You just sort of don't. But I realized this was necessary. So I created um, a new query letter for this time, instead of travel for the time travel book, which I'm still hoping to circle back and do one day. For If you had your birthday party on the moon, I developed a new qu- query letter, and I sent a bunch of them out once I broke contact with the first agent. And I got an email from John Rudolph from Dystel, Goderich, and Bore. At the time, they were Dystel and Goderich. And I looked at the name in my inbox, and I said, I know that name, but I don't think I wrote to him. And it turned out that I had written to one of his colleagues, by the, a gentleman by the name of Jim McCarthy. And you know, it's very difficult to tell from the agency's website sometimes exactly what genres, because there's overlap between the genres and you do the best you can to match it up perfectly. But um, John was a better match. So Jim had given the manuscript or had given the partial manuscript to John and John emailed me immediately for which I was very grateful because I, I knew I needed a fresh start. And um, I researched John and I realized this is a really, you know, a, a really good agent at a prestigious agency. He knows what he was doing. Now the other agent was also from a, a very reputable agency. So I guess it's, it's like anything else, you know, like the computer that I'm speaking to, it's a name that I'm speaking to you on, it's a name brand computer, but look, the camera
1: picture is fuzzy. <laughs>
0: So you just never know, right? I
1: love, I love that fuzzy camera.
0: I'm so glad it makes you happy. I was so afraid. I was so afraid to get a, to get a computer with a good camera and see what I look like. I'm like, I don't want to see the lines. I like, I like the blurry
1: picture. Well, actually, people um, <laughs> see you at the beginning because we're still using the uh, the new computer so so joyce you know it's incredible you found you know most people spend their lifetime trying to find an agent and most of the people i've interviewed uh didn't just find an agent through the slush pile just by querying uh and so Mm -hmm. you are like one of five thousand writers who found an agent through querying and um you're one of fifty thousand found two agents through query.
0: <laughs> Thank you. You're making me feel very special. And that makes me you feel very good. You
1: are very special. And you should be teaching people like me how to improve their query letters. <laughs> I'm going to bug you now.
0: You can, you may bug me. You may bug me. I, I, I When people do contact me through my website, um, which is www wjoycelapin.com, and i will you know again i'm only two books in so there are plenty of people who would be able to give better mentoring but i do do what i can t- for anybody who contacts me i i really do try to help i but also i do want to emphasize that I'm, I went into this with a little bit of an advantage. That advantage being, as an advertising copywriter with very large advertising agencies in, in New York City, I had really good training as a copywriter. So, turning, you know, shifting gears to children's books for me, it was a question of adapting existing skills. You know, there the, the were there were very strong fundamentals in place. So it was just a question of. There was a lot of learning involved, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't starting from scratch in terms of writing skills and that's, that's important because I did have that advantage.
1: When you were writing <laughs> in the advertising, advertising. world, how, how, what was that like?
0: Um, well, I think it was a double-edged sword for me. I was, I, was, I had enormous talent I know that sounds like an awful thing to say about yourself, but you're going to hear me humble, be very humble right now, because I could, even with my talent, I could not survive indefinitely because my personality, I was raw, I was immature, I was edgy, I was negative. Um, Basically, I, I sort of was trouble, and the fact that I survived so long and was able to accomplish so long, it's it owes nothing to my personality and everything to the gifts that I was born with and that I cultivated as I grew up because my personality got in the way. Um, You know, I won't go into stuff that's of interest to nobody but myself, (laughs) but I, I did begin to begin to change little by little by little. I learned and I grew and I learned and grew more through the school of hard knocks. And now I come to a place where I feel really good because I feel I'm not only successful as a writer, I'm successful as a client to my agent, um, as a client to the publisher, as a mentor to, to other writers. I would like to think that I'm a successful person now, whereas before I was just a successful copywriter. Now I would like to think that I'm both. So thank you for asking. That was a really nice question.
1: Uh, so uh, this is, <laughs> a, this is a, a remarkable interview. I would like to talk you offline sometime. But um, it's interesting that you've gone from a cutthroat business uh, of people who want to sell things to customers who don't need them. And now you're selling magic, <laughs> magic to children, which is so wonderful. And also science. <clears throat> what could be better? And, uh, and, 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 you know, you, I can see that your, your face is shining through all of the fuzz on the computer. And um, when you talk about Thank it. Thank you. You're so kind. I have now two questions that are not so kind. Um, so as writers, we, we, we are stuck with a certain age. I write for five-year-olds. You write for huh? six to eight-year-olds. Do you know my theory? My theory is that we get stuck at some point in our lives and then as writers, those of us who write for children, we gravitate back to have a communication with this child within us that needs uh, this dialogue. Ah, uh, Does that resonate with you? Um,
0: you know, to an extent, I think... It it really is an interesting question, because, for example, when we go into a McDonald's restaurant and we see those playscapes, like I would have loved that playscape as a child. And when we go into the movie theaters now and we can see we see a movie 3D, we would have loved that as children. So I think we can remember loving that, that 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 magic and wanting wanting that magic, you know, and. Of these books, by the way, they are for up to 12, 11, and 12 year olds. So it's it's not just six to seven year olds. But putting that aside, to address what you're saying, I I think we I think that love that that craving for the magic stays with us. And 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 I feel like there's a very fantastical element to what I create. Um, If you had your birthday party on the moon, the the interesting thing is all everything that happens in this book is physically possible. It's just a question of us doing the engineering, of people doing the engineering so we can take casual trips to the moon. In the case of the little spacecraft that could, we are traveling 3 billion miles, passing the orbits of all of the outer planets, the gas giants, the ice giants, and seeing Pluto, but seeing it through the eyes of the spacecraft because we can't yet send people there. So again, with both books, I think there's a very fantastical element
1: yeah, but it, it's, based on, it's based on nonfiction, it's based on science and technology.
0: It, it that's exactly right. The books, the books are completely factual. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were able to be on the little spacecraft that could, we would have experienced what we we're experiencing through her eyes. If the engineering existed for us to take casual trips to the moon, we would experience what these children experienced when they had their birthday party on the moon. We would bounce in and out of craters the way that they could. So uh-huh. everything uh-huh. happens. It's just a question of us getting to the point where we can shuttle back and forth to other worlds.
1: Okay, Joy. so here's the thing. <laughs> My last serious question. Okay. Uh, you in university, you studied what um, literature writing? What
0: I was actually a psychology major, um, which was part of me being a clueless kid. <laughs> Not that psychology isn't a, isn't a valuable major, but I. It was just all on a whim. I took a psychology class. I liked it. I declared that to be my major. I switched from political science. I had thought I wanted to be an attorney. Um, my right brain and left brain have been doing battle with each other all my life. So <laughs> um, so the, the psychology background worked, worked very well for me in advertising. Um, and it's, it's still with me for writing, but I think my writing skills came from being a reader. So all the parents out there, I would really recommend they encourage their children to read as much as can and, and it doesn't matter what they read I remember when I was a child my friends and I loved comic books and the mothers would always say stop reading comic books stop reading comic books and now they just call them graphic novels and they're okay it's like we don't have butts anymore we have designer dogs it's the same thing right it's so it's the
1: all, graphic novels <laughs>
0: It's it's words. It's it, as long as you're you're absorbing not just information but getting facile with the language.
1: So here's You're my... asking
0: me wonderful oh, yeah. questions. I am enjoying them. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Joyce. Um, and my last serious question uh, will be um, what intrigues me. Many of the people I interview write nonfiction. And um, Mary, I'm
0: sorry, that was the, many of the people you have interviewed, authors
1: are... that I interview, write nonfiction, mm-hmm. which, which is fascinating. Um, the, the fascinating thing here is you are not a scientist and you write, right. you write these wonderful, fantastical books, introducing science and technology to children. And I think that that's wonderful. But I spent thirty years as a scientist, and the last thing I want to write in my children's stories is anything that is technological or scientific. Um, how do you like? What's going on?
0: <laughs> well, first, let me ask you something. What is the reason that that's the last thing you would want to write about? Do you not? Do you, Did the love pass? The love for science has it has it passed?
1: Is well, Joyce, here's the thing. Um, I, I'm i interviewing you today.
0: Oh, okay, okay. That's fair. Sorry about that. I no, guess I mean, I'm I, a newbie. No,
1: I, I can No, no. Yes. I, it's wonderful. I, it, it, I'm a no, university I think the reason professor. If you, if you get I me think- talking, I won't stop.
0: No, it's absolutely fine. I think the reason that I love to write it is because as, in order to write it, I have to research and learn about it. And with the internet, it's so easy, that, it's so easy to research that once you find your sources, the sources you can depend on, it's sort of like all this wonderful information keeps flowing to you, fascinating information. And I think I enjoy writing about it because not only because first I learn about it, which is enjoyable, but because I love crafting the language to be metaphorical and re- and, and to mean something to the children. Um, you know, for example, on Pluto, it turned out that there were ice volcanoes. And these ice volcanoes, when they erupt, it would be like watching a, di- a gigantic slushy overflow. And that, for me, was a fun thing to write. So you, you get to take something that maybe would seem a little bit mundane and and present it in a very fun engaging way and and, and a fresh way i mean we all do, we all really enjoy metaphors i think and um, i love creating the metaphors and they seem to come easily to me and they they make the whole exp- they make it fun for me they make it fun for my agent for the editor for the publisher for for the readers for the parents you know uh, It makes it fun. So I guess to answer your question, to make a short story long, (laughs) first I get to read about all these fascinating things and then I get the challenge of taking something that might not initially seem fascinating, but which there's something something there, there's a kernel there that can be made into something fun and wonderful. And I think that's the challenge and that's the real fun for me. When, When the ship got to Pluto, uh, when New Horizons get to Pluto, that was my favorite part of the book to write because describing all of the things that she saw and presenting them in a way that people would understand and, and enjoy—that—that that was the—that was the most fun part for me.
1: Joyce, can you read a few sentences for us?
0: Oh, sure. About when she lands on Pluto, or about anything. That, um... But it's your
1: interview, yeah.
0: Oh, well, yes. One of my favorite parts is the book is when there's some astronomers on Earth and um, these astronomers took a vote on on deciding that they felt that Pluto should be called a dwarf planet, not a planet. And this decision was made by astronomers, not planetary scientists. So it's sort of like having, a, you know, a um, a general practitioner tell you something about the heart instead of the cardiologist telling you about the heart. The planetary scientists are the ones who really know about the planets and they were not asked for their input. So when Pluto, when astronomers decided that Pluto should be called a dwarf planet um, what, what I wrote as the little spacecraft's response was, well, the stung of it, You know, um, Pluto was New Horizons reason for being and it just made the spacecraft even more determined, you know, um, that's that's um, one of my favorite lines and another one of my favorite lines was when she has to get close to the spacecraft has to get close to Jupiter in order to get what is called a um, a gravity assist where Jupiter adds some of its speed to the spacecraft and I write carefully she maneuvered to within 1.4 million miles of Jupiter that may not seem very close but you don't mess with a planet whose name means king of the gods (laughs) (laughs) that was what that was something that that I that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy that's fun for me I love it. Oh, thank you so much. You're such a positive interviewer.
1: Well, because I look, I'm I'm in awe of people like you who are like one in 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 of writers who want to have books published by traditional publishers. And not only that, you know, I I don't know if I'm telling you, I should tell you this, Joyce but most publishers don't introduce you to the illustrator. They don't even tell you who the illustrator is. You know, you just, your book comes out and you see the pictures. Uh, and they are actually asking you who you wanna work with. So that's quite, that's, you know, even more incredible.
0: It really, it really is remarkable. And Sterling was like that on both books. The editors were amazing, amazingly, amazingly deferential. To my creative vision, and there were times when you know they would push back gently, and I knew they are the professionals. Let it go, and this is this is not um, this is not Im- important enough, and they're probably right. But for the most part, they were very respectful of my vision, and in the case of the illustrator, she and I have developed a wonderful relationship online. And uh, but we we now text and we instant message and we email. But we we're very respect we're very aware of and very respectful of the boundaries. We'll just we know that certain things need to go through the proper channels through the editors. But certain things like like ideas for promotions these are things that she and I can discuss, and. Um, We've developed a wonderful friendship and she's amazing. And you will not believe it, but she is an illustrator who actually used to be a research scientist. Is, wow. is that amazing? Wow. Talk, talk about a right brain and a left brain making peace with each other, right? And so she is meticulous. She's meticulous with her research. And like, I never have to go back. Like when she showed inside the control room at NASA, I never felt that I had to go back and check. Is this what it looks like? I know that if this is what she illustrated, she was sat there surrounded by a hundred photographs before she began to illustrate. So it's wonderful to be able to have faith in your creative partner like that. And um, I have enormous faith in the editors at Sterling and... um, Really, I, I feel like I've been part of a wonderful team and it's very, very validating to be part of a team like that.
1: Joyce, what is your next part?
0: Well, I, it, it sort of says to stay in the vault until my agent responds to it.
1: <laughs> but it, it's more fantastic nonsense
0: it is, I'm hoping it would be a third book in this series, but, um, you know, John will have the last word as to whether or not it sees the light of day, Um, and so if I could talk about it, I would, but I know you understand.
1: I can have you back (laughs) when it happens.
0: So right now, I'm just mostly going to be expending my energy, you know, promoting the two books, and um, of course, it's, a bit of a challenge in the post-COVID world. And you can do a lot online, but as we've discovered, I'm, um, I have inferior computer skills. So it's a bit of a struggle for me, subpar. I shouldn't say inferior. I will say subpar computer skills.
1: Limited, but that's fine. You know, you, you you, know what? You, you can't do I that. like that. I like that, limited, sure. thank you. Joyce, you can't be a rock star in everything, you know. So um, the reason that I, I, I am in awe of writers like you, and I'm going to ask you uh, to share some of your best advice for aspiring authors of picture books.
0: Oh, well, I can, o- thank you. I, I can only tell you what worked for me, which was to write about what I wanted to learn about in the terms of nonfiction. I I don't believe that I have any particular gift for fiction. I may, it may be untapped or undiscovered, but I have no reason to think it's there at all. It may be, it may not be. But in terms of nonfiction, I picked the things that I was curious about that I wanted to deep dive into. For instance, the reason that all this writing started was because I was fascinated by time travel. And I... uh, always wanted to know how it worked. I just could not get my head around it. And the the time travel book literally took me two years to write. It was, the the, the physics is, you know, with the moon, you can learn about the phases of the moon. You can learn about tides. You can learn about the orbits. But with time travel, it's getting your head around principles that maybe people really aren't meant to be able to visualize. And you have to try somehow. And I, I, it's sort of like trying to hold an ocean wave on the sand. It just slips right through your fingers. It, it won't stay in your head, even when you can get it in there for a minute. But I under—I learned enough to be able to write about it. And that was a, a book for young adults. So I don't know if it, if it will ever see the light of day. But the point was is that I was fascinated by, by time travel. And I really, really wanted to understand it. And so I really kept at it, kept at it, kept at it because it meant so much to me personally. And I know there are a lot of writers out there for whom um, mental health is, is the driver, is the driving force behind their curiosity uh, for who, uh, or, or, or gay pride, or, um, or uh, surviving cancer, or any one one of a thousand topics. So I would say whatever your passion is, that's probably what you're going to enjoy exploring because I suspect that only if you have that passion that makes you wanna stay with it and keep exploring that topic, are you going to stay in this unless you're either very, very lucky or very, very talented. You have to be either one or the other or both to get published easily. Very, very lucky or very, very talented. Even very, very connected won't do it for you these days. Lucky, very lucky or very talented for it to happen right away. But in order for ha- it to happen over time, I think you're going to need tenacity. And that tenacity comes from loving the subject that you're engaged with. That's I can only speak from my personal
1: experience, but I hope that's useful. It's extremely <laughs> Uh, Joyce, now that we're at the uh, end of our wonderful interview, and I, I do hope we'll have another conversation sometime, just you and me, because, um, you know, while we were talking, um, you know, I, I have written a lot of uh, scientific stuff for children. And 8 million people mm-hmm. have, have seen it. But on the other hand, um, I would be happy That's cool. That's that's a yeah. boatload of people. Yeah, but I, I even forgot about it during our, our conversation. You know, I would give my eye teeth for one of my fiction books to be picked up by a traditional publisher. So uh, obviously there's something wrong with me. You're a psychologist. We're not going to talk about it now, but we can talk about it next week sometime. Um,
0: I, would be, I would be very happy to. I, 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 I consider the, the, the publishing world has been good to me. The world in general has been good to me. You
1: know, um, so I'm happy to... The world has been fantastic to me. You can't believe how lucky I am. And I'm lucky, to to meet people like you. Um, Last embarrassing question for today. Um, Do you like the Beatles?
0: I love the Beatles. Is there anybody who doesn't? It's like pizza. Doesn't everybody love the Beatles?
1: I've interviewed 120 people, and I think one or two didn't. Um, Do you have a favorite Beatles song?
0: Yes, thank you. That's remarkable that you asked that. I I won't get into why, but it's remarkable that you asked that. I would say the favorite song has to be In My Life.
1: Uh, The reason I'm asking is because we always, uh, I'm a big uh, Beatles fan, and um, Uh it's a great way to know about people and and to ask them what their favorite song is. Uh, That's a remarkable song. Um, And I'm wondering whether you'd like to sing a bit of it for our wonderful audience.
0: There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed, not for better. (laughs) I can't sing the whole thing. I really, Uh, that uh, is not uh, my specialty. That is not my area of specialty.
1: All these places have.
0: have their moments. You're the jingle guy. You sing it. (laughs) For people and things that went before, I know I'll often stop and think about them. In my life, I've loved you
1: more. Beautiful. (laughs) So, Joyce, I don't know why it took you so long to be on the program, but um, I'm tickled pink that uh, you were able to make it today. And... um, I hope the people uh, have uh, survived the first 10 minutes. It, it's like the takeoff of your uh, of your ship, you know, the bumpy until we <laughs> until we exited the stratosphere.
0: Until you till you get out of the atmosphere. Yes, you're right. We got it took us 10 minutes to get out of the atmosphere. Actually, you're right. It took it, new horizons the spacecraft got into outer space faster than I got onto Zoom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's been wonderful having you on. You've got Mel.
0: Thank you so very much. Should I just now click to leave the meeting? Is that what, what you'd like me to do now?
1: Yeah, but Is I'm going to say I'm going to say thank you again. And thank uh, you. And uh, let's uh, have another talk next week. Without
0: Absolutely, all, and contact me anytime. Thank you so very much.
1: Without all the people watching us, thank you. Joyce Lappin, remarkable writer. Good luck. It's well. Good luck. You already have luck. Um, even more luck.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy the journey. Bye-bye. Bye bye.